we've been doing a series that we call Summer at the Movies. And as Pastor Net was referencing, what we've been doing is really digging into some scriptural topics that are really important to our lives. But we've been using some movie clips as just some practical, uh, uh, practical tools to help really bring these points alive. And so today we're going to be digging in again. We're going to watch another movie clip. It's from a movie called Wally. Anybody ever remember that movie? You remember that movie, Wally? Came out in 2008, but the setting isn't in 2008. You see, the time in this movie is centuries into the future, and the scene is on Earth. But the Earth is desolate. It's garbage strewn, and it's a no man's land. And humans had trashed the Earth so badly in this movie that they fled into space, and they were on a spaceship called the Axiom, right? And when they left, they left an army of waste allocation load lifters, Earth class, known as Wallies. Only problem is when the movie picks up, and these, these, these guys, the Wallies, what their job was, was to clean up the trash, but it doesn't quite work. So when the movie picks up, it's 700 years later. And there's only one rusty little Wally that remains. And he's trudging across the barren earth, compacting all the trash that still exists. The thing about it is that Wally was lonely. He's lonely, and his friend is a cockroach. Listen, isn't that so true? Humans may not survive, but cockroaches will. <laughs> they will. Some of you know what I'm talking about, because... You, you lived with them at some point, just like I did, right? All right. All right. Anyway, let's get back to the, right? So he has a friend who's a cockroach, right? And his Hello Dolly VHS tape to keep him company. And he looks to the stars and he dreams of love. And so one day, love appears in the form of a sleek, hovering, egg-shaped robot named Eve who was sent from the spaceship Axiom to evaluate if the Earth was inhabitable for humans. And Wally immediately falls in love with Eve. And he takes a plant, the only plant on the Earth, which he discovered, and he repotted into a shoe, and he gives it to Eve. And Eve immediately takes it onto the spaceship Axiom, and love-struck Wally follows after her. But once he gets on the ship, he discovers humans, that humans have actually been living on this Axiom spaceship since leaving the earth, and they have become incredibly lazy. They have become obese because of their over-dependence on the constant streaming feeds and media influences that debilitated their lives. And so through a series of events that lead Evie and Wally back to the earth, to repair him and restore his memory, which he had lost through some faulty situation, they end up charting a path for salvation for all humanity. And humanity discovers that life can exist on earth, and they begin to celebrate new beginnings. Let's watch today's clip, and we'll come right back to today's message. You know, in 2008, this movie came out in 2008. And no one could have imagined that the themes depicted in this movie would prove so prophetic in their accuracy concerning the world that we live in today. Now, I get it. While life still remains on Earth, the reality, the reality is that technology's advancements have transported us into a life much like the one of these people that were on the axiom. 
in that we exist in a trance-like existence affixed to screens and to the constant onslaught of media messaging that distracted them and distracts us from living life to its fullness. Friends, it's for this reason that we have to really consider what the scripture says to us. There is nothing that the Bible does not address in life. And today, because of the world that we are living in and it is continuing to evolve into, we need scriptural direction, truth from God, in terms of how to avoid the distractions that technology can impose upon us if we allow it. Today, I want to talk to you from the heart of God. I give you no opinion. I want you to consider the truth in God's word. I want to talk to you today on the topic, disarming distractions. Disarming distractions. It's important for us to think about technology's impacts and what it says to us about where we're going. So consider this. 20 years ago, 20, just 20 years ago, now I know for some of you, that, that's your whole life. I get it, right? For some of us, that's three times our lifetime, right? And some of you, like me, you're just stuck at 25, right? So, praise God for you, right? But 20 years ago, 560 million People worldwide were on the internet. Just 20 years later, 3.5 billion people are on the internet. 3.5. Just 20 years ago, cell phone subscriptions, right? People that had a cell phone plan. Back then, 20 years ago, we're talking 2003, 740 million people worldwide had a subscription for a cell phone. Today, there are over 8 billion cell phone subscriptions. Do you know what that means? There are more cell phones in use than people in this world. Seriously. Like, this is, this is facts, right? Today, social media. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. I feel better already. I feel so much better already. Today, social media is the number one driving force in every area of society. Social media. 4.9 billion people use it. That's over 61% of Earth's population uses social media. Social media drives politics. It drives workplace. It drives home life. It drives market trends, economy, the entertainment industry, social media is considered fundamental. It is the fundamental way by, way, by, by which billions of people prefer to access information. The news. If I were to ask you, where do you get your news from? I guarantee you that a majority of us here today would say, I don't got time to be up at 10, 11 o'clock at night to watch the news. I watch it in real time. I go by what pops on my cell phone. What Twitter, I mean X, not Twitter. X tells me, right? It's always changing. It's always evolving. And so we rely on social media so much. And what we fail to consider is the physiological and the psychological impacts that it has. How it truly affects us in life. Just from a physiological standpoint. Now, let me just say this as, 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 a, as a, uh, um, a preclude to this. There are people that are now rising up today that are saying, that supposedly experts that are saying, oh, you know, social media and technology does not impact us the way we thought. 
The problem is the results don't lie. The results don't lie. The timelines correlate and, and everything else. So just from a physiological uh, impact standpoint, do you know that more and more people today than ever before suffer with eye strain? More and more people today are requiring glasses. More and more people. Headaches, check out this diagnosis. Do you know that poor posture is now a diagnosis? Poor posture. Increased long-term symptoms in neck and upper back are among those leading with young adults today. It's crazy. Sleep problems, fatigue, and alertness throughout work activities, work and activities is on the rise. Increased rates in obesity and cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes, that's all on the rise. And premature death is skyrocketing more than ever. From a physiological, from, from, from a psychological uh, standpoint, the impacts we see are not much better. In fact, they're, they, they're just as bad and worse. While social media and texting has created connectivity among people, technology has done that for us. It has created a new phenomenon that social scientists now call social displacement. It is the propensity for us to prefer to isolate. I'd rather work from home. I'd rather worship from home. I'd rather live behind a screen. I'd rather just be at home. I'd rather just avoid people. We have taken social distancing to a next level through social media and technology. More and more people feel disconnected while being completely connected to a vast network of people. Since 2012, when social media became common among teenagers, we've seen a rise, a steady, uh, slow and steady rise of levels of depression, anxiety, self-harm. They've all steadily increased. This is factually proven right now. One out of every five children between the age of 13 to 18 have or will have a serious mental illness before they reach adulthood. This is happening right now. This is happening right now. In children, we're seeing lower levels of academic performance, decreased attention spans, delays in language development, delays in social and emotional development. We're seeing higher body mass index. We're seeing a deterioration in sleep quality for kids. For kids. Do you know that in the 70s, some of you might remember those, right? The 70s, that was a great time in the 70s, right? The all right, some of you are telling on yourself a little too much. You're supposed to be 25 like me. In the 70s, uh, uh, media marketing, the average reach per day for people was an exposure of 500 to 1,600 messages a day. That was through radio, through TV, through uh, music, through ads, through billboards, wherever you went, right? In 2007, that increased 5,000-fold. The average amount of ads a person was seeing in 2007 was 5,000 ads per day. That's through media, that's through music, that's through uh, social media, technology, all different types of avenues. Do you know what it is today as of 2021, the last study they did on that? In 
14 years from 2007 to 2021, the last numbers indicate 10,000 messages a day. 10,000. I want you to do something with me real quick. Go ahead and grab your phone real quick. And I want you, for those of you that know how to do this, some of you still trying to figure this out, right? I want you to go to your main screen, and I want you to just swipe to the right. If you have an iPhone, that's what it is. If you have a J phone, it won't work that way, right? That was a joke, guys. It was a lot funnier in my head, right? And look at your screen time. Look at how much screen time you've devoted on your phone already. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Look at your screen time and answer this question for yourself. Am I devoting too much time to this screen? Be honest with yourself. It's real. You know what the big picture is with all this? Look, this isn't a message. I'm not coming against social media use and technology. It's, it's a tool when used correctly. It's valuable when used correctly. But the big picture here is that we exist in a world today where we are so overwhelmed. We are so overwhelmed and consumed with the mass amount of information that is coming our way. So much so that we don't have the time or the ability anymore to process what is true, what is right, and what we need for life. What we're actually becoming, if we're not careful, if you're not careful, is this, we're becoming slaves to those who are dictating to us what, it, what they say is true. It's a danger in that. And so as such, we need scriptural reference for this. And you know, back in the days, way before there were cell phones, computers, and there were, you know, all types of technological gadgets and, you know, tablets and all that. Way before all that, way before TV, way before radio, way before any of that, way before smoke signals, there was Jesus' time. And back then, without all those things, this was still an issue. We were distracted. The Bible says that there was a day where these two sisters, Martha and Mary, said to Jesus, hey, we want to invite you to our home. And Jesus with his disciples accepted the invitation and went. And when they got there, Martha and Mary took different roads to the same situation. Martha, the scripture says, went to the back and she consumed himself with all kinds of preparations. It could have been food. It could have been cleaning up. A bunch of stuff. She got consumed with all that. Mary, on the other hand, stayed where Jesus was, and it says that she was at his feet, and that she was listening to what he was teaching. She was in on the conversation. She didn't want to miss the experience. Well, Martha gets so upset, and I'm paraphrasing here, that she comes back, and she says, Jesus, tell Martha, tell Mary to help me, because I'm doing all these things, and she should be back here with me. And Jesus responds to her regarding this her distracted state by saying this in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset. Watch this. About how many things? Many things. Many things. You're focused on many things. You're distracted with many things. Your attention is 
all over the place. You are devoted to so many different things. Doesn't that sound like the world that we live in today? What's sad is that in this world, in this life, for most people, that's normal. And there's a danger to that. Verse 42 says, but a few things are needed. How many? A few things. A few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. One. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Let's leave that verse up for a moment. I want you to consider what we're seeing about distractions. And I want you to consider how that relates to the world that we live in today and the impact that technology has on our lives because we allow it to be that way. I want you to consider that distractions lead to worry and they upset us. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. And what they do is they stretch us so thin that we get into the realm of many. We're doing, we want to do everything. We want, we want to focus on everything. We are split in so many different ways. But Jesus says to Martha and he says to us, you're worried and focused on so many different things, but you only need to focus on one thing. And the reason why he says focus on the one thing, granted, Jesus was talking about you need to focus on what I'm teaching you. You need to focus on this moment because a moment with God will determine your miracles for a lifetime. It'll change the trajectory of your life. And so, so listen, Jesus is saying you're thinking that you're doing something good, but Mary has actually chosen what's better. Why? It wasn't just the teaching. It was the impact for the remainder of, his, of her life. See, a moment with God and a moment with truth and a moment on what's most important and most beneficial for us will not just impact us in the moment, it'll impact the remainder of our lives. And the reason why Jesus calls us to focus on the one thing, to focus on one thing at a time, is because one thing you're able to grasp, but many things you can't. You can't. You'll never get a hold of it. It'll never be beneficial. And so, what we see here is that distraction is the pathway to destruction. It is. And so, for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to share with you just three points on disarming distractions. And again, I bring you no opinion. I want us to look at the scripture. But I want you to start by thinking this. You and I must starve our distractions. Starve your distractions so you can feed your focus. You'll never be focused if you remain in a state of distraction. It will not work. They cannot coexist. See, Martha did not have a cell phone. She did not have a computer, and yet she found herself with the same results that many of us are seeing today. How is that possible? I mean, you'd think she'd be better off because, after all, she didn't have an iPhone, and she didn't have a J phone, right? And she didn't have a computer. She didn't have all this access to all this 24-7 news stream. See, she was in an overwhelming state, but it wasn't because of you know, all those distractions per se. See, the issue isn't our level of access to information, nor is it our phones or computers. The issue is that many of us are not establishing needed disciplines to filter everything that's coming at us. We don't have boundaries. 
We don't have boundaries. And I pray that for some of you that looked at your phone, that you recognize that. It is 12 o'clock in the afternoon. How is it possible that you can have three hours of screen time and it's not even the middle of the day? So we're just hitting the middle of the day. What does that say about our control? What does that say about our discipline? What does that say about what's to come? We must put guards in place. See, <coughs> excuse me, Martha and Mary were facing the same situation. Jesus was their guest. But Martha became distracted with the peripherals. Dishes, meals, setup, hosting, all, whatever, all these other things. While Mary focused on the one and most important thing. And as a result, the Bible tells us that Martha was worried and upset. The original language indicates that she was anxious and disquieted within. Let me ask you a question. How truly loud is your life? You might be all right in everybody else's eyes, right? Your social media posts, so happy, right? Life is just so good. But in your heart of hearts, when you wake up in the morning, are you already thinking about everything that's to come, everything that's ahead? Are you so disquieted from within that you're living in an anxious state and calling it normal. I guarantee you, for some of us, you're thinking about Monday and we're still in Sunday. I guarantee you that for some of us, you've already mapped out all the challenges ahead and you are fretting to such an extent right now that you, while you might appear silent right now, right here sitting in silence listening, you're actually listening to the disquieted state in your heart that does not leave you in a state of rest. You are anxious. You are worried. You are overwhelmed. And friend, what I am submitting to you, according to the scripture, that that's not the will of God. That is not God's plan for your life and mine. Unfortunately, what many of us fail to realize is that focus is actually a filter. When we start focusing on the most important thing, and you got you to gotta appreciate what Martha was missing in this moment. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way. <clears throat> I am the truth. I am the life. And what, what Jesus was proposing in that moment was, hey, I'm not just giving you some truth. I'm giving you a way out. I'm showing you a better way. And Martha was so worried about dishes that she was enacting her own destruction. See, social media, for some of us, has become the measuring stick for success. It's become the means by which we compare if we're fulfilling something in life, if we're achieving something. And the problem with these screens is this, that we don't look at them as screens. We look at them as mirrors. We look at our lives in comparison to what we see on the screen, and we measure ourselves, we measure our achievements, we measure our worth, we measure our lives based upon we see what we see in screens. The problem is, this is a lie. 
This is a lie. I forget who said it. Some, some pastor, I'm trying to remember who, doesn't matter. But he says, you know, many of us judge our lives according to the highlight reels that we see on social media. But it's just a highlight reel. You don't see the rest of the movie. You don't see the rest of the picture. You just see the trailer that t- makes you think, man, this is such a great movie. And then you're going, you go, I can't believe I wasted my money on this. Some of us need to realize we're wasting our lives. In the scripture, Jesus equated the lives of people to ground, four types of ground. We're not going to read it, but just something that I want to allude to in Mark chapter 4. Jesus says that the sower comes and he sows seed, and the sower is symbolic of God. And the seed is truth, his truth, his way, his wisdom. And so he says the sower sows the seed, and according to the ground, the seed will produce. One of those types of ground was called the thorny ground. The thorny ground was the ground that is, uh, correlates to the person who receives the truth, believes it, it begins to take root. But because of the cares of this world, Jesus said, because of the anxieties and the cares and the distractions of this world, while the seed is good and the ground has the ability to produce according to that truth, it dies. Why? Because the thorns of life choke out the possibility of the promise of the truth. Friends, let me ask you a question. Are you feeling constricted in life? Feeling overwhelmed in life? Are you constantly thinking about tomorrow and forgetting about what you're supposed to do today? Are you feeling weighed down? May I submit to you, friend, that it might just be because you're living amongst thorns. You're worrying. You're anxious. In other words, the problem isn't the seed. It's the dirt. It's how you're receiving and what you're doing with it. Because Jesus said, for the one who understands the truth and receives it, that person is the one who will produce some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Right? Check your dirt. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 gives us an indication on how we begin to do that. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if you read the 11 verses before this, what you'll see in, in, in chapter 11, if you read chapter 11, what you'll see is that Jesus gives, the word gives us an example of many people of faith and how they overcame. So verse chapter 12 is, it builds upon that and it says, therefore, since we have, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. So get a picture of a race and get a picture of the focus of the race. Verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Doing what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I want you to consider that what we're seeing here in this verse, in these verses is how we fix our faith. And the same way that we fix our faith is the same way that we fix our focus. It's by fixing our eyes. Question, what are your eyes fixed on in life? Where does your technology, use of technology, carry you? 
Are you like some people? Come on and tell, tell on yourself if you want, right? You ever done one of these? You're talking with somebody, and, or, or they're talking to you, and you're, you're in a conversation, but you're not conversing with them. You're conversing with the screen, right? And they go, hey, man, yeah, and you know, all this happened, and, you know, your kids come, and they're trying to get your attention. Mommy and daddy, and look at what's happening. Mommy and daddy, and this and that, and this happened, and that happened. And you go, uh-huh, yeah, that's great. And you, you, you're completely checked out. You know how that happens? We fixed our eyes on the wrong thing. How many of us are losing out on marriage? are losing out on relationship with our children, are losing out on possible opportunities, all because we're distracted with technology. This is a real issue today. Listen, people are killing themselves in vehicles because they're distracted. Marriages are crumbling because we're distracted. Children are going unattended because we're distracted. What are we doing with our attention? How are we fixing our eyes? The second point I want to propose to you is that your focus is your responsibility. Somebody say this with me. My focus focus is my responsibility. responsibility. Now, you already said you love me. So I'm just going to address this point. For some of us, We believe that we can't help ourselves, that it's not our fault. Because it's everywhere. It's on my phone. It's on my computer. It's on my TV. It's everywhere. It's on my watch. And and we act like if we're victims of technology when in reality we're victims of our irresponsibility. The scriptures give us plenty of examples that we are stewards over our lives. Meaning that we are responsible unto the Lord for what we do with this life. And friends, that does not leave us exempt of our responsibility of our focus. We are equally responsible for our focus. See, Martha was in the same situation as Mary. She could have focused on the better thing, but she didn't. And the reason why she didn't was because she did not steward her attention. She became irresponsible with her focus because she allowed it to drift. I remember years ago, um, we went out with some friends, and we were on their boat. And uh, we were out on the water, and I think they had like a jet ski or something like that. I forget what it was. And my kids were like, oh, can we get on? I was like, yeah, go ahead. I said, just make sure dad came out. Let's make sure that you stay right here in this area. I gave them the ride act. So they went ahead, and we, we, we're on the boat. But an hour or so later, I look out, and I go, what are you guys doing all the way out there? I told you to stay right here. They were like, Dad, we didn't move. I'm like, yes, you did. And I'm all upset and everything. And then all of a sudden, I realized that Jim never dropped the anchor. See, if you don't anchor your attention, you will drift. You will drift. We are not victims of technology. We are not victims to the media. We are not victims to social media. We are not. But we are victims of our irresponsibility. And that one is on you and it's on me. Right? Think of it this way. Do you know that just, just, just a little phone, never mind a computer, just a little phone has more processing power 
than all the computers and all the technology that they used to launch the first spaceship that went to the moon. This little computer, this little, this little device right here has more power than we think. How are you stewarding that power? Luke 12, 48 puts it this way. These are the words of Jesus, not my opinion. He says, for everyone who has been given much, much will be what? Demanded. Demanded. And for the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Friends, we have responsibility within our hands. We have power. And we are responsible to do what is right with it. How are you leveraging that power? What are you doing with it? The last point that I want to leave you with here is that you and I must find our why. Find your why, and it will help you along the way. What am I talking about? You know, what's your why with your use of social media? What's your why in what you do with technology today? What are you trying to achieve with your social media today? Why are you posting what you are posting? Can I say something to you? Social media, technology today, is one of the main reasons why people are not emotionally developing at the rate that they should. Because what social media has done is giving people the license to believe that they can say whatever they want to say, they can express whatever they want to say, they can throw whatever shade they want to throw, right? They want to throw stones and then hide their hands because nobody's going to say anything, nobody's going to see me face to face, so I can express myself however I want without repercussions. The problem with that is this. Not only do you see it, but everyone else can access it. Why do you have to express when you're angry? Why do you have to vent online? More importantly, what does it actually do for you? What does it solve? What is it changing? See, friends, we can take whatever license we want to say whatever we want and do whatever we want on social media and post whatever we want. But the question is, how is that affecting you? What is it doing for me? So why are you posting what you're posting? Is it to inspire others? Is it to help others? Is it to teach something? Is it to promote yourself? Is it to portray a lie behind a screen? To showcase a life that doesn't exist? See, one of the primary reasons why social media and technology has become one big distraction is because people use it today without a why. We don't have a why. And we have to consider, what does the scripture tell us about our communication? I'm so glad you asked that. You were thinking it. So let's go there. Ephesians 4, verses 29 and 30 says this. Do not let your, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is the scripture telling us here? It's telling us that the purpose of communication is not for our benefit. 
It should be for the benefit of another. So question, how's your post building anyone? How's the pictures that you post of yourself actually helping somebody else rise up? Look, there's nothing wrong with posting your life. Just make sure it's the truth. Let's not live behind, under, under the guise of lies, friends. Let's use social media. Let's use technology for something that's beneficial, something that's uplifting, something that helps others. So the best way not to fall prey to the distractions created by aimless consumption and our use of social media and technology is by aiming to benefit the lives of others through what we share, through what we post. And so I want to leave you with just a couple of tips real quick on how to maintain focus and benefit others. Real quick, before you self-disclose, self-reflect. What does this say about me? What does this say about you, whoever it is that's going to read this? What does this say about my faith? Because listen, <laughs> your, your description of yourself may say husband, father, God-fearing, love God, love people. But do your posts match that? Is what you say and what you do and what you like and what you share consistent with who you claim to be? Are you following Jesus or are you following the trends? So before you self-disclose, self-reflect. One of the best ways to do this, friends, is to ask yourself this question. Answer this question for yourself. For you who are younger... Text it to your parents before you post it. For you who, who are beyond that stage, text it to your pastor. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just using that as I want you to think about who would I not want to see this? And then ask yourself this question. Why would I post something that I wouldn't want somebody who means something to me to not see? What does that say, right? Second thing I want you to see is consider how it will affect others. We kind of touched on that already. But ask yourself, will this offend someone else? You might be saying, well, you know, it's my social media and I posted it. They don't have to like it. They don't have to read it. They shouldn't have to see it. You bear the responsibility on what you post, right? Is it gossip? Does it help or hurt others? Would you be comfortable if someone posted the same thing about you, right? When in doubt, leave it out. If you have to think about, is this appropriate? Should I or shouldn't I post this? Chances are, actually 100% of the time, don't post it. Don't do it. Leave it out. And the last point I want to leave you with is make it count. Make your communication count. Make your use of technology count. Why? Because it's all a message. In Matthew 28, Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to make disciples. But then he says this to them. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you.
What I want you to see is that we all have a message. And that message is power. And our lives are to be the aroma that infuses that amongst those who are living and those who don't know Christ. What are you doing with the message entrusted to you? Make it count. I'm not saying that you got to be this, you know, Jesus Jr., you know, that everything you post is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You could do that. That's great. But how are you connecting with people in a way that actually builds them and gives credibility to your faith? What are you going to do? What will we do? Can I tell you what we need to do, friends? We need to disarm distractions. And we need to feed our focus. Let's stand today. Now, remember, you said you love me. So I ain't worrying about it. But I get it. This is a challenging message. Because it goes completely against what has become normal and acceptable in our lives. It goes completely against the way of this world. Am I not to be on social media, social media at all? That's between you and God. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But what I am saying is what we should consider is that we have to be wise. We have to use it with boundaries. We have to protect our hearts. We have to use it to convey a powerful message instead of personal fanfare and acclaim. And today as we close, I want you to take a moment to lock in with God. That can be closing your eyes, whatever it is, but I want you to be honest with yourself. Because whether you choose to be honest with God or not, he already knows. Are you distracted? Are you on a path to destruction? Are you drifting in life? Are you a victim to your irresponsibility? Friends, if you are, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But there is freedom. And today might simply be the day of freedom. Today might be the day where you awaken a giant that is, has been lying in wait within you that says, I have been dormant, I have been enslaved, I have been stuck, and it's because I've been distracted. I've allowed technology to dictate my life instead of me dictating how technology gets used. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.